Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. In the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 40, we will read this passage in the King James Version, verses 28 through 31. It reads, Has thou not known, has thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Amen. I want to preach about the worth of waiting on God. We have before us this morning one of the most potent and promising and pregnant passages in the entire Word of God. Chapter 40 of Isaiah, if you're reading through the book of Isaiah, chapter 40 marks a decisive shift in the tone and tenor of the prophecy. Isaiah essentially moves from a critique of the waywardness of Israel to a excursus or to a narrative of comfort and encouragement. In fact, the Jewish rabbis have labeled this particular portion of the prophecy of Isaiah, starting in chapter 40 and extending through chapter 66. They have labeled it as the book of consolations. And they are correct. They are correct in their assessment for Isaiah is seeking to comfort the Jewish remnant in Babylon who have experienced years of captivity and they need to be assured that God has neither left them nor forgotten about them. In essence, the prophet is reminding the people of God that despite what they have gone through, despite what they're experiencing right now, there is worth in waiting on God. I just have a suspicion that someone here needs to be reminded of this truth. Someone who have waited and waited and waited for God's promises to be fulfilled in your life and you have doubts about the worth of waiting on God. Like the young woman whose story is told in Linda Watkins' excellent book, God Just Showed Up. 
This young woman was pregnant. She was trapped in an abusive relationship. She was addicted to crack cocaine, yet she prayed. In desperation, she prayed, show me you are real, God. Show me you are real. And when her baby was born, despite the insistence of a doctor who encouraged her to have an abortion, because he was all too familiar with the multiple risks that crack babies faced, her hope and her heart was stirred because her newborn, when tested, had no signs of deformity or mental retardation. This miracle baby was her new beginning, and now this woman operates a ministry that offers hope and assistance to other women who are trapped in a similar situation as hers. She experienced the worth of waiting on God. I had to ask the text the question, what is the worth of waiting on God? What is the rationale that would encourage us to wait on God? You cannot assume in this culture of unbelief, you cannot assume that people understand why there is worth in waiting on God. But when I asked the text the question, it gave me three responses. Three responses. The first is, there's worth in waiting on God because of the power that can't be exhausted. The power that can't be exhausted. I asked you this morning, what do you take comfort in? What gives you and me a sense of security and stability? For the prophet, it was, if you read the text, it was the inexhaustible person and power of God. God just doesn't wear out. God doesn't depreciate in value. God isn't a battery that has to be replaced. You and my problem will wear out long before God does. God doesn't faint. Neither does God get tired. In this regard, the prophet Isaiah sounds a lot like David did in Psalm 121 when he said, Behold, he that keepeth Israel... Neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. And he's able to watch our going outs and our coming ins. Today, his fourth and forevermore. This is the worth of waiting on God. The prophet's description of God is breathtaking. The refrain that begins in verse 28 sounds like a herald announcing the news of a great happening that he assumes everyone else is aware of. Surely, Israel, you should know that the everlasting God neither faints nor gets weary and that that truth is worth waiting on. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of verses 28 and 29. Listen to what he says. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. Doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. Gives fresh strengths to dropouts. 
Somebody might be on the verge of dropping out today. Chris Tomling in the compelling lyrics to his very popular gospel song, How Great Is Our God, squarely hits the mark when he says, The splendor of a king clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me. Shout with me. How great is our God. There's something else in this particular part of the text. The word everlasting is a profound reminder that this inexhaustible power is available and accessible to you and me. Because while God is eternal, having no beginning nor ending, technically the word everlasting infers something that has a beginning but no ending. In our dealings with God, we experience God's everlastingness. His everlastingness. This is why in chapter 55, later in this letter, in this, in this book of the Bible, the prophets as God's mouthpiece invites his listeners to incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. The worth of waiting on God, first of all, has to do with the fact that there is a power that can't be exhausted. Then here's the second thing. Second thing in the text is, is there is a problem, the problem that can't be evaded. The problem that can't be evaded or avoided. It is worth waiting on God because the prophet reminds Israel and us by extension about the true nature of our circumstances. There is an uncertainty. There is a contingency associated with human life which we cannot escape or evade. No matter who you are, no matter how much money you have, no matter how long you've worked on your job, no matter how good you feel this morning, no matter how many people you know, there's something about life you just can't and I just can't nail down. Because you can still get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning that will turn your life upside down. Recently, I had my annual physical and the nurse at the doctor's office had called and left two or three messages. She needed to talk to me about my blood work. I got a little concerned. And then when I went into the office, uh, she could see I was a little alarmed. She said, I didn't mean to scare you. I just wanted to tell you everything was all right. I said, well, you know. <laughs> In our minds, when we get those kind of calls, we are paying homage to the fact that that kind of call can turn your life. It can turn your life upside down. There is this contingency. It says in the text, even, even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. Don't think you're exempt. Don't think you're immune. God has a way of allowing life sometimes to strip us down to the barrier essential because some of us have to learn that we're not all that. <laughs> 
And we have to learn how to reorder our priorities. That you can have all this stuff. You can have all that money can buy. And if you don't have the Lord, you don't have anything. Not anything of substance that's going to hold you when you go through your storm. And trust me, your storm is coming. If you haven't had it, if you're not in it, it's on its way. And it's in those times that we really learn God is worth waiting on. You know, because life is a great humanizer. And, and more important, it's a great equalizer. See, some of us have to go through it. We have to experience that problem that can't be evaded to realize we can't make it by ourselves. Now, not only do we need God, we need some other folk who understands who can pray for us. So there is the power that can't be exhausted, the problem that can't be evaded, but there's something else that is reason and rationale for us to understand the worth of waiting on God, and that is the promise that can't be equal. The promise that can't be equal. This chapter begins with comfort. It ends with comfort. It is a promise of comfort that cannot be rival or equal. But if you read verse 31, it is not a promise to everyone. It says they that wait. It says they that wait. The inference is everybody don't do it. But for the waiters in the house, (laughs) this text says they that wait. And the word from the original translated wait is not resignation. It's not passivity. It is active expectation. It's standing at the door of your life, waiting for God to show up. There is a forward focus in the text, one that refuses to be hobbled or hindered by the mistakes or the misfortunes of the past, but the waiting that looks out into a bright tomorrow, knowing that God will make a way somehow. It is a restricted population, I tell you, because it's they that wait. That is who the promise is to. They shall renew their strength. Literally in the Hebrew, the word means sprout or bloom again. Be made over again. The contemporary version of the Bible says, we'll become strong again. When I looked at this, I asked myself, I said, now, is this a stretch? Is this incredulous? Is this uh, somehow unachievable? That this promise says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. There is a note of certainty in the text. And then I had to realize That this is true because of the God we serve. God not only has time, but he has eternity in which to fulfill his promises to us. 
everything God has for us, we will not experience on this side of the Jordan. But the Bible says that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what the Lord hath prepared for those that love him. St. Teresa of Avila, a great saint of the church, she once said, when she thought about her own suffering, she said the sufferings of this world when compared with the glory that God has for us is no more than one night in an inconvenient motel. You see, God has time and eternity to fulfill his promises to us. That's why Paul writes to the church at Rome and he says the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. When I looked at this text, I thought about something else. I thought about Samson, who had repeatedly flirted with temptation and sin, who had despised his Nazarite vow and was eventually captured, imprisoned by his enemies, the Philistines. He was weakened and vulnerable because his head had been shaven by someone he thought he could trust. Yet while in the prison house, the Bible says his hair began to grow again. He moved from failure to favor. And there's somebody here this morning who's been shaven, not because you sat in a barber's chair, but life has a way of shaving us. Job loss can shave you. Sickness can shave you. Death, marital failure can shave you. Disappointment, loneliness, and heartbreak can shave you. Broken promises, weakening resolve, betrayal, and hopelessness can shave you. But I got good news. There's worth in waiting on God because your hair can grow again. I don't care what yesterday had. I don't care what happened last year. If you hold on, child of God, if you hold out, child of God, I'm a witness that God will and God can take care of you. I ought to have somebody here. And so when Isaiah attempts to concretize and dramatize this promise, he does not use the picture we have from Samson's life. But what he does is he gives us another picture. He says, what will it look like, this promise that cannot be equal? They shall mount up on wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not be tired. You know, of the nearly 10,000 species of birds God could have used to illustrate this point. He chose the eagle as a demonstration of his promise of deliverance. Why is this? It's this way because in the Greek language, the word for eagle means to blow as the wind or become one with the wind. The eagle was made for the sky and not for the earth. The eagle can fly at speeds of 100 miles an hour. The eagle has such extraordinary strength 
that his talons can break the bones in a man's form with one firm grip. But I believe the reason why he chose this image is that when eagles soar, it is not with their own strength, but it's because they spread their mighty wings. And when they spread their wings, they are lifted up to the sky. Somebody need to hear me tell you that there's worth in waiting on God. All you got to do is get up out of your situation. Stand up on your feet. uh, Look up to the sky uh, and spread your wings. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.